anyway, uh, anyway, back uh, and and it's funny because uh, we because we had so much other moving around going on. We're finally into what would have been third segment, and what is it? We're going to talk about the crow. We we kind of hinted talking about the crow last week. But uh, I guess in a, maybe maybe it was a misnomer that when I said that we were having an all crow uh, episode, and but there's still regular business that ends up happening on on a show of this nature, such as comics, especially with everything moving around so much. But you know what? We, we there's still there's still a lot of stuff that we want to talk about. Actually, I got to to read the comic again. I've been hearing the soundtrack all over again. That was kind of very interesting. I didn't know if uh, if uh, if uh, if uh, what is it? If Richard was going to join us, or he's he's stuck at a shoot right now. I'm not sure if he was going to join us, but um, let's go ahead and let's dive into what uh, what we've been calling uh, the All Crow episode. Um, sure. The first the first thing we want to do is uh, Roland. Where what when did you first hear about the Crow, or when was it on your radar? Because we were in and out of different comic books at the time. I know when when I uh, first ran across it, but I want to find out when when you had that uh, opportunity to uh, to either see the character or the comic book or whatever it was. I don't know if it was the movie first, then the comic book, or vice versa, or what was it? Well, um, I grew up around some people who liked it. Um, um, well, really, it was it was coming from you, and because. I wasn't allowed to read the comics because they were collectors. That, and so I think finally when you, um, I was like, look over your guys' shoulder. Um, I knew the story about it. Um, you know, I was excited about who was going to play it. Um, so more, mine was more closer to before, like when they started filming the movie. Um, uh, you talked about the comic. Um, I remember seeing the covers, um, I, you know, black and white. It was a lot different, different. I mean, you know, and to me, I think that was probably my, like actually delving in and looking at an independent comic. Um, most growing up, I just thought there was DC and, and Marvel. And, you know, to me, I think, um, so, like I said, it was it was probably before the movie. Um, you know, I know Image and, and Valiant became, um, I, I guess they would be considered independent. But, I mean, they, they still kind of followed a code almost. So, um, I think seeing what you guys were looking at, you know, with, with the crow, that was like, did that guy just get his legs cut off? You know, did, did he just, you know, just get shot? you know, just point blank. I mean, it, 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 it changed my view of what comics could be. I was, you know, I, it, it wasn't, you know, it, those, it wasn't, a. I don't know. It, it, it wasn't just superheroes at that time. I mean, for when, when I saw that it, cause that's usually what we, we had superheroes. And even though there's supernatural elements, there's super power type elements. This is, you know, this was just a story. I, I didn't know that there could just be stories like this. So I would say, you know, it was a, it was a while, like before they, they started filming, they started, you know, picking who was going to be it because of that. And finally, whenever 
uh, like I said, I would look it over your shoulder um, or Richard. And then it wasn't until the trade paperback came out that, you know, I, I finally got to own, own it and just look at it. Just look at it. I mean, um, and we'll, I mean, we'll get, get into that later on, but um, it, it just, it changed. It just changed my, uh, my view on what comics could be and what they were. So. Um, uh, when I ran across this, it literally had to be 1992. These books and, and, and specifically it was not the first run of the crow. There's no way this would have been on my radar with Batman and all this. And there's no mm -hmm. way that these stores locally would have had these issues. These issues had print runs of less than 10,000. Unless you were a novelty store that specifically catered to these underground comics. And there was only one store at the time that would have probably uh, would have been Collector's World in some roundabout way. Maybe. And I don't even know if Myth Adventures was already on the in, in the in the South Texas in our in our Corpus Christi area. But I really highly doubt that the crow would have been on anybody's radar. Uh, so we zoom ahead, you know, rumblings in, in, in books and all that kind of stuff and comic scene and everything as, as things are going. So the way things are in the comic book world, uh, uh, something is made and then it's going to be reprinted. Well, that's when Tundra uh, comes out. And uh, what, what I ended up running across was in 1992, I walked into Myth Adventures, probably on my journeys of looking for more Crow uh, not Crow, but uh, Speed Racer books. Mm -hmm. I, I, I used to go everywhere just looking for Speed Racer books, and they would have a flat table, and they would have their new releases on it. And right there on display are three all-black books that say The Crow and Jay Obar on them, and it's, you know, uh, The Crow. And, and on the bottom it says uh, Volume 1, and what is that? Uh, what, Pain and Fear? which is, you know, this one that you're seeing right here. And uh, it's all red, you know, uh, imprint of the crow. It's, it's almost like just black and red uh, with various uh, degrees of, of red shading. And then you have uh, book two or issue two, which would have been, uh, what does it say here? Uh, Irony and Despair. That was book two. And uh, it, it's Eric Draven and, and, and Shelley's in the background. And you have, you know, an, a bloodied hand up to his, uh, touching his forehead and stuff like that. And it's all black again, same motif with the, with the picture uh, centered uh, on the top middle. And then, of course, you have issue three, which just, just, just immediately striking, and that's um, death. And he's got his hands kind of uh, out in front of him, all bloodied. He's sitting on the ground, uh, crossed, cross-legged and stuff like that. And that was book three. These were 1992. These were just... You could not not notice these books just sitting there, all black, uh, looking amazing. The artwork just I, – I had to look thumb through these things, and I'm like, the crow, what the hell is this thing? And, you know, I'm over here looking for Speed Racer and, and all this uh, other kind of stuff. So un – Believe it or not, I didn't. I didn't jump on these right away, and then I even looked at uh, the the glass shelf where they had cards and all this kind of stuff. The port portfolio of James O'Barr was in there with large prints, autographed prints 
of these covers in there along with some other prints and stuff like that. So uh, I was, I, you know, me, I, I get obsessed with certain things like that and it starts eating away at my head and I'm just kept, you know what? I need to go back. I need to go back and pick up whatever that was, whatever the, the crow books were. And I picked up those, I ended up picking up those three books. I went back uh, and sure enough that book one, book two, book three, and I picked those up. Uh, I think we were going through, it had to be comic scene or wizard or whatever. And they made an announcement. I was already a big Bruce Lee fan, but then they said the crow and I'm like, wait a minute, that's that book I just picked up. And they said, uh, Brandon Lee has been attached. The son. Of, no, it was, it said this, it didn't even say Brandon Lee. It said son of Bruce Lee attached to play the, the lead in the crow, something to that effect. And I was like, wow, the son of Bruce Lee is going to be this character. And then after looking at the book, you're like, holy smokes, this is going to be incredible. Now, um, somewhere along the way, the trade paperback comes out, either two trade paperbacks that collect all of this, but now Kitchen Sink owns this property now. Um, and then later on, they make a second printing of that trade paperback where it says, it says now a major motion picture, I believe. Isn't that what it said? Or I don't think so, because see, this one, this one right here yeah. doesn't say that, but... In the inside, it says somewhere in there? Well, no, but the inside does say is in memory. Yeah, so that book, obviously, that collects. So, so maybe the trade paperback came out after, I'm, I'm assuming. I don't know. I'm pretty sure I could look up a... Uh, printing of when the you know what i'll do it right now uh you know i remember you know what when you were saying about that i remember you because when you said that that bruce lee's son was going to be in the crow a comic book the first thing i thought of was again like i said before superhero oh like oh wow he's gonna be a superhero but like i said i didn't 94. really know that 94 1994 i didn't know that much about the the uh, the crow. So when you said that he was gonna be a comic, I just automatically assumed he was gonna be some superhero, you know, superhero. I remember that now though. Uh, on the release of uh, the crow trade paperback came out the collected hardcover edition, and packed with that hardcover edition, which was limited to fifteen hundred copies it was a hardcover edition of that same artwork as the trade paperback that my brother showed there but you also got a cd of trust obey which was the fear and bullets uh, uh original soundtrack which was supposed to be the soundtrack for the comic book and mm -hmm. <clears throat> and that was uh, something that had come out <clears throat> roland uh, richard is stating here um he got his uh, trade paperback uh, autographed Oh, uh, here we go. <laughs> I can't even drink anything. That's the only thing I don't like about a refresher. Have you ever had a refresher from Starbucks? Mm -hmm. You try drinking it and it's like the fruit gets stuck in a stupid hole and you, it's Augustus Clue all over again. He's destroying my chocolate. Anyway. Um, uh, so well, real quick, real quick. Yeah, yeah. You give a, um, what year did the crow come out in? 1989. But, okay, wait. 
the Crow book came out in 89, but I want to say prior to that, Crow Caliber Presents was a preview, I want to say maybe 87 or 88. And that was the first several page preview. And that was in a special Caliber Presents number one. And uh, it's just like a, he just a couple of pages. wrote this though in 81, right? I think, or pieces of it or whatever. I don't know. Well, it's, because, it's almost mythical. Well, the copyright jumps from 81 to 89, then 92 and 93 for this book. On that one? Because the, the story takes place in like 80, doesn't it? Or 81? Because there's a picture of, of Eric and what's her face, and it says like 79. Uh, what an actual picture? Well, no, like in the draw in the in the comic. It's supposed to be him and her at the beat here. I'll, I'll pull it up. Keep talking. No, no, and uh, well, that's what I'm going to look up real quick. Uh, Crow Caliber Presents uh, came out in 1989, and then um, I'll, I'll read it verbatim here. Uh, the series was originally created by Obar as a means of dealing with the death of his girlfriend at the hands of a drunk driver. This uh, was first published by Caliber Comics in 1989 and became an underground success. And it was adapted into the film by the same name in 1994. Uh, three other films and numerous books have uh, been made. Uh, February 1989, uh, The Crow uh, came out on Caliber. And then its first appearance was in Caliber Presents in January of 89. Um, I'm trying to look. The first time the crow appeared on the back cover was November 1988. Um, so yeah, we're seeing some different. Uh, well, I'm guessing the story, because like I said, the pictures drawn in there say August '79 and like October '80. So which was probably the last, you know, in the in the book. Um, so I'm just saying, like, you know, I guess his – because, I mean, it, it wasn't like his his actual girlfriend died and then he did this comic. And then he joined the military and stuff like that before he even – Yeah. Something, I don't know. We'll go on. Um, I'm going jumping ahead. Anyway, you were saying? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, 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 the theory or the, the, the story of the character is almost mythical. Uh, as far as where the the account came from, as far as uh, where, you know, it says here in 1978, James O'Barr. We're going to get into James O'Barr now because I think this is a, a logical yeah. thing. It says in 1978, O'Barr listed in the Marines. He was stationed in Germany. He illustrated combat manuals for the military uh, before entering the Marines. Uh, now, this is what it says here. Beverly had been killed by a drunk driver while living in Berlin in 1981, Obar began working on his comic, The Crow, as a mean of dealing with this personal tragedy. Obar was further inspired by a Detroit newspaper's account of a murder of the murder of a young couple for a $20 engagement ring. In The Crow, the protagonist, uh, Eric and his fiance, Shelly, are murdered by a gang of criminals. Uh, Eric then returns uh, from the dead, guided by a supernatural crow to hunt their killers. Um, 
After his just discharge from the Marines, Obar continued uh, his paintings and illustrations, as well as doing various odd jobs, including working at a Detroit body shop. Uh, the Crow sat on the shelf for seven years, but it later found a publisher with Gary Reed at Caliber Press. The first miniseries was published in 1989. The Crow has uh, sold uh, more than 750,000 copies worldwide. Now, when the first run of the comics came out, we were talking about this was a very low print run. We're talking about maybe close to 10,000 copies here. And then eventually, I think uh, one of the higher print runs for a reprint was up to about 12,000 or so. Some of the other issues, there were four issues that were released under Caliber uh, Comics. Some of them had anywhere from like four to 5,000 uh, print run. So um, the print runs were relatively low, but I think what happened is the minute the book started going into reprints, I don't know how many prints they did of the Tundra releases. And mm -hmm. then you also have the trade paperbacks and then there were some special editions that, uh, that had come out since. So um, there are various ways you can find this particular um, uh, book if you're interested in reading the actual crow uh, book, but I think the more, the most accessible uh, way of acquiring the crow would be in the form of the trade paperback, which seems to be the way a lot of people have discovered the crow. Are those and still then, in print? Uh, you would have to probably find an older printing, but I know that there have, there are hardcover uh, special editions that, uh, uh, that, that I have, I have, I have a special edition. And oh, yeah. that one is, um, that one has, has come out, uh, to my brother. Okay. Uh, Richard says something, uh, St. Louis, that's where he got his autographed. And then, uh, um, uh, Chris Ambrise sent me some, some stuff here, uh, uh from Frangoria magazine, uh, 133. Uh, it's going through, I guess, uh, tribute uh, of stuff they're, they're they're talking to the effects artists and i guess maybe some some quotes from various actors and lots of photographs from the crow um so that 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 was actually just for everybody that that is on board with us that is fangoria 133 that would be an excellent uh resource to kind of look up there have been numerous uh issues and books that have come out uh, detailing uh, specifically Brandon Lee and, and the tragedy that happened. Uh, it was very slim pickings finding things leading up to the crow <laughs> when the crow is actually being filmed. And that, that to me, that is the very uh, interesting part of this whole thing. We would find little blurbs like actor hired to do this. And then I remember one little tiny picture and it was like from the mid chest up and it, and what it is, it was a, an early uh, test uh, photo of Brandon Lee in makeup. And that actually got printed and that became the early picture of what the crow looked like. It, it wasn't really uh, a, a glorious uh, photo. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't see some of those phot photographs until after he had passed and they ended up, uh, you know, appearing all over the uh, magazines like Entertainment Weekly, uh, photo sessions that they had ready for um, for the movie. And it's a, it's unfortunate that we had to see these photos for the first time that way. But um, I guess that would be the next logical step. The comic book comes out. Uh, 
we know that the movie's being made and we're, you know, my brother's finally looking at the, this, I guess, looking over the shoulder of the Tundra books, I'm assuming that I have. But mm-hmm. um, the next the next thing I think that comes out is that he dies. And the movie that was being made, we end up finding out that the, the, the actor has passed away. So there's really like, we're, we're, we don't know if the movie's going to get completed at this point. Uh, then they announce, I guess, in tribute to Brandon Lee after, you know, I, I guess they brought the, all the people back to, let's see what we can do to finish this film. But it wasn't just a, a simple thing. So do you, I guess we lead into the film at this point or do we talk about what came out before the film? Or do you want to talk about a little bit behind the scenes of what you what we? Well, I mean, you know, with James O'Barr, just to catch everybody up to speed, uh, you've been saying that some of the comments from Richard. Yeah. Um, our brother was able to uh, go to a roundtable uh, interview with James O'Barr uh, leading up to the. Was it leading up to the film, or would the film the already film, come out? The, the film. The film was about to come out, and they had a, a roundtable with uh, James O'Barr from. I, I don't know if it was Miramax uh, or whoever it was, was gathering people. They flew them all to St. Louis to meet with Obar uh, to have a QA. and a And um, at this place, I think they had promo uh, soundtracks, posters, shirts, anything related, I guess, to the early Crow stuff. Yeah, early Crow t-shirts and all that kind of stuff uh, in regards to uh, – you know, they're just, he's there to promote. He's the creator. You don't have, you don't have the director. I don't even know what happened to him. I don't even know if he was forthcoming or they just decided, let's just go with the creator of the, of the comic and uh, let's have him do the PR at this time uh, to get early word out. He also, had, yeah, he had, my brother said he also had slides. This is a, a time when the internet was still kind of in its infancy uh, or even at all, but um you ended up, you know, you needed slides and all this kind of stuff, and you put them in the in, in your magazines or newspapers or whatever. So, um, yeah, so so Richard went to go do that. He got like autographed stuff and got to meet James O'Barr and part of the Q and A and all that kind of good stuff. But um, so we don't know how they finished this movie. We know that Brandon Lee was uh, uh, killed in, 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 and we don't know necessarily how the film was completed. We, we just know that it's around. And it was a while. It was a while before they announced that they were going to, cause we just thought, well, great. There it goes that, you know, we're never going to see this movie cause they said they weren't done filming this. And we were like, how are they going to do that? I remember right. that. Cause it was like almost for a while. It was like, well, you know, we would, we would talk about the, the, the mythical adventures of what could have been with people. And I know we talked about this before, how it became like a bonding um, conversation with like people, you know, if we're talking to someone like at a comic book store or something. And all of a sudden we talk about the crow and they're like, Oh yeah, I know about that. They talk about the comic. Then all of a sudden it was like, we're kindred spirits. And like, we would talk, you know, to that person for, you know, a while just about just, you know, and it was it was the '90s. Okay, we had the the angsty industrial Nine Inch Nail. You know, just this whole little uh, you know type of feel. And <laughs> it's funny that you know, and we talked about this before, um, how the comic 
actually, so the comic was actually in the 80s, yet it was like a 90, like it was kind of shown as a, you know, like a 90s type thing. So, you know, I don't know, just at that time, you know, I was a teenager and it spoke to me, you know, just because it was all, again, all feelings and stuff. But yeah, I mean, that's just, you know, so for a while, I just remember it, it was almost like a hopeless, hopelessness, a hopeless feeling that we're never going to be able to see this. We saw all these cool pictures and nothing's going to come of it. It's just going to, you know, that's all we're going to have are those pictures. But so they announced now, maybe if Richard's online, did the soundtrack, Richard, if you're there, uh, Speak to us, Richard. Let us know. No, no, Rich, did the soundtrack come out before the preview of the the preview screening that we had? Well, well that question will get to him momentarily, but because I'm already uh, uh, hinting towards that, I'm going to go ahead and, and I'm going to go to this. That was the the soundtrack. Soundtrack obviously uh, is listed here as coming out in March. 29 uh, 1994 so it was 63 minutes long that's actually pretty long um, of a uh, of a thing if you think about it that's a that's a that's a pretty long soundtrack so it says here March 29 1994 this was the first uh, imaging uh, of some kind and it was very reminiscent of the shirt and that's the shirt the preview. Uh, I remember seeing that uh, symbol uh, similar in the preview poster, I believe. And I, I kept thinking, well, okay, they're not going to use like actual picture. It's going to be that. And But uh, in this soundtrack, it was a who's who of everybody that was, I guess, pretty, pretty popular at the time. We got, you know, The Cure, Stone Temple Pilots, Nine Inch Nails, Rage Against the Machine. You know, you, you had throwbacks like uh, Violet Femmes, you know, Rollins Band. Um, uh, you had some newer bands like uh, Machines of Loving Grace, Helmet. Uh, Pan Pantera was, you know, they were kind of in the metal scene as well. And, you know, then you had some of the other bands like uh, My Life with Ruko Cult, uh, the Jesus and Mary Chain. Uh, and, you know, and it was a it was a mix of all these uh, bands, but they were in that same wheelhouse. And they was uh, it wasn't too outrageous the the soundtrack. It was it had its mood. It was very a moody uh, performance type thing. Uh, according to this, in 1994, Billboard 200, uh, it was number one. So wow. yeah, so there was a lot of uh, hype going into this album. All music scores uh, rated pretty high as well. And this is all leading up to, by this time, it's already been announced that The Crow has been completed. And the big question is, how is this movie completed? The actor, you know, didn't finish this. So how, how is it that you end up finishing a movie of sorts uh, in, in that, you know, with, without, without your lead actor? So they, 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 they give us the... Um, the soundtrack. So we end up, we're now all of a sudden playing detective and trying to figure out where do these songs fit? You know, where is it going to go? How are they going to play out this thing? Because as far as we know, the story had to have been changed in some shape or form. We don't know how much it's going to have changed with, with the loss of the actor and stuff like that. 
the movie ends up coming out in um, it's going to come out in May. I believe the movie will come out in May. Let me see what it says. May 13th, 94. Rich, do you recall when we actually saw this movie? We had to see, we had to have seen it before May 13th. Did we see it when we were in May or did we see it actually when it was April? Do you recall? Um, because we ended up, we, we had the rare opportunity. The contacts Richard had made with him seeing James O'Barr doing the interview, we were like in constant connection with them to the point where we were actually doing a, uh, uh, it was a, a media project for, for Richard that ended up incorporating a, a high school in Gregory Portland and it included us at the at Delmar Foghorn at the time and we were all drawing and, and writing and, and all this kind of stuff. Um, he says early at Cinema 6. Yeah, but was it in April or May? Because the movie came out May 13th. Was it two weeks or did we see it a month early? Did we see it, you know, because the soundtrack came out in March 29th. So it, was it already in April or, or that early part of May that we saw the movie? Because the movie came out what, at least second second week of second or third week of May. I, I'm assuming it might have been the first week of May or the last week of April. But anyway, so Richard decides, you know, if we're going to do this thing right and we want to put a review of the movie let's let's acquire the film in some shape or form usually these early preview screenings would you would, we would have to drive to san antonio austin or houston that's where we would get press passes to go to see these films uh according to richard it was three to four weeks before release so in mid-april we had already been hearing the soundtrack for at least a good two weeks then the bombshell drops guys we're securing a early screening of the crow we can't say anything about it, <laughs> but we're going to go watch this so that we can review and put it in this uh, publication and put it in the foghorn and all that kind of stuff in conjunction with the release of the movie. That right there is probably for any Crow fan, and we were Crow fans. We were more Brandon Lee fans and Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee fans. Leading up to this, this is probably like one of the emotional markers, this unknown movie that we never thought would get completed. We didn't know how they were going to finish it. And here we are. We're going to have a, a private, almost private press screening uh, for us to watch away from a full packed house or whatever the case may be. And at that point, we still didn't know what, what was going to happen. You know, movies, these superhero movies didn't do terribly well. I mean, uh, unless you were Batman. And then after that, none of the Batman movies after that were, I don't think were big successes. I don't, I don't think. I mean, after, after Howard the Duck, I don't think anything ever kept up to that, that bar. Yep. I, re I remember we, I don't know if it was like right from the foghorn, we all took off over there or we were to meet. I think, I think Richard kind of corralled us there and said, Hey, you, 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 and we all kind of gathered. And then we all made our way to the movie theater in the, in the, uh, he says cinema six. It wasn't, it wasn't cinema six. It was, I, I think, wasn't it, wasn't it the eight, the mall? I thought it was the mall in, 
Wait, I'm thinking about it right now. I think it's the mall. It was the movies in the mall, dude. Not the Dollar Cinema, but the ones that were in the uh, Padre Mall. But anyway, we go in. We're excited as shit. The guy's excited too. The, I remember the manager being very excited that we were able to do this there. And the lights go down, and then it just says Brandon Lee, then the crow, and then pfft, forget about it. It opens up, and it has that – you hear the – you're hearing that little – that little sound and then um you know it opens up and it almost appears like you're you're watching blade runner that was the first in, in, in impact that i had i go oh my god they're basically taking blade runner and then the fires like the the plumes of fire all around and uh and then we're 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 brought into it um you're seeing the flashbacks so you're seeing how they're playing out the crow and this that and the other but it's not until you know I'm seeing, you know, the next thing I do remember is that we're moving into the scenes where uh, uh, it's a it's a year later. She drops the the the, the, the flowers off at the grave, and and then uh, was it Patrick Patrick Kelly? They were doing uh, stuff. Uh, yeah, Richard still insisted it was Cinema Six, but I I don't think it was Cinema Six. I think the 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 gated thing was lifted up and I think we went under there and they lowered it down but I don't know if anybody remembers that screening of the crow uh, preview it was the preview screening uh, three to four weeks before the movie was released we only had a handful of us go to this thing um, I, I want to I still say it was the mall but anyway um, and then the Sarah monster and they're eating the makes you fart big time I'm kind of like getting kind of antsy in my seat because you haven't, we haven't really seen Brandon Lee in the film. We're seeing all these other characters leading up to, you know, and I'm not really liking the girl at this point, <laughs> the skateboarding shit and Ernie Hudson's like, what the hell's on his face? This is this obviously is a fake mustache in these early scenes because obviously these are reshot scenes to fit the new story. And then it happens the 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 pinball and the thing goes blows up and then let's go ahead and introduce uh, the Brandon character or, or is it the Brandon character character I, I, whatever he comes out he moves the the tombstone uh, the thing and then he comes out of the ground and the music's all creepy and it's you know and all that and then it's that yell and they tie that yell of his first breath or whatever the case you want to call it when he crawls out of the grave and then he yells in, in pain and he falls to the ground, but they match it with the music of, of that Ravel soundtrack and that impact right there, just like, Oh crap. The same impact that I had at the very beginning where we see the Brandon Lee, the crow, just that alone, that was like, you know, already getting your eyes misty that the fact we're actually watching that movie and then now we're seeing Brandon Lee return from the grave. It's like he came back to be in this movie for us. And it's very calculated how these uh, people put this movie together in that sense. But from that point on, we are taken into the world of The Crow. The Crow that James O'Barr had established. And after watching it, a rewatching of The Crow last night and reading the comic books again, 
all I can say is that is probably one of the most faithful adaptations from book to film or film comparing to book. And I'm not saying it is, oh, step by step. Obviously, there's there, there's more characters in, in the book. But to tell the simplicity of the story and some of the pieces were changed, but they kept intact several scenes and pieces of dialogue. The pawn shop. The pawn shop is almost pulled right word out of that. Word. Yeah, word for word. I said we're closed. I heard it in as I was looking over the comic again. I heard like he was the perfect Gideon. And now when I'm reading the comic, I hear, hey, I said we're closed. Just that. Yep. You can it, it, and, it and it it matches it. It it's it's. There's other scenes like when he's uh, uh, confronting Albright, even Albright. Albright. Yeah, but he's different. Yeah, it's different in there. The races are a little bit different, but the interaction well, is combine, very much the same. Yeah, they, they combine, combine they combine characters. They combine Hook and uh, Albright. Yeah. yeah, so they combine some characters and stuff like that. But but you end up seeing that. But but you know what. The crow rang true from what the comic book was, even though the interaction was with different characters. And I've and I've heard that that was part Brandon that he would read the book. He was reading the comics and wanted to reflect Obar's comic as closely as possible, in the sense of even using the lines. He probably was using the lines directly from that. I don't know if that was him on his own. Or whatever the case may be, but I think they it, him to do. Yeah, one quote was like, "Where else do you get to recite parts of the Raven, dressed up like the way he was, and all this?" I mean, I think he was really flattered that he was able to do a character like this because, for the rest of his life, come on, let's admit it. If if if, if this movie tanked, he's doing Rapid Fire two and big whatever showdown little Laser whatever seven. With um, Ernest Borgnine still. Yeah, he he's going to be doing action, uh, karate action films, and, and all that probably for the rest of his life. And Telling Dolph Lundgren, he has never. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the infamous line in Showdown in Little Tokyo: If you haven't seen it, watch it, and you'll know exactly what we're talking about. Um, I want to, I want to, I want to, and I and I pose this question to my brother, and and I I'd love to pose this question to everybody out there, but. Let's say that Brandon Lee did not get killed in the making of this film and they kept the film more to what they originally wanted to do. And that's not that hard to find or to fathom because I know David Chow and, and Alex Proyas and all these different people have said variations of the film and then how they were changed. Even Michael Berryman talking about the how much of the Skull Cowboy was going to be integral to this film. Would this film have had the same impact as it did after the death of Brandon Lee, uh, would it have been just, oh, it's like Blade, or you know, or you know what, it's not even like Blade. It, it wasn't even as popular. Would people have gone to this film? Would the film? I mean, as far as I know, they were piecing together the soundtrack. That was, I mean, this soundtrack doesn't even have some of the bands because, if I'm not mistaken, they 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 were making the soundtrack and some songs were cut due to what had happened to Brandon Lee and they thought it was going to be in bad taste that, um, you know, because of that, they just thought, uh, yeah, we can't, we can't put that song in. I think Smashing Pumpkins was one of the bands. And then uh, I know for Thank a fact God. that Stone Temple Pilots actually changed their song because 
of that. And I think there's a demo version of the song that they were actually going to use. What that is offhand, I, I, I please forgive me. Uh, I, I cannot, uh, I, I do not remember what it was, but there were at least a couple of other bands that were supposed to be part of this soundtrack that they decided not to go with because of that. Uh, Chris Ambrice, uh comments that uh, the pro the film would have not, it wouldn't have been as big, but it would have been a big film. Uh, you know what? It probably would have, it, it, I think it wouldn't have had the, uh, obviously the, the budget was already controlled budget. I think it, you know what? I think it would have probably suffered special effect wise. Now we would have been going more practical instead of more digital because they did have to push the envelope with digital effects. And you got to admit some of those digital effects are very rough. Like when he but looks at his hands, then. well, but when he looks at his hands, come on, dude, when he looks the line, well, yeah, but I mean, that's the, the weaker, the, that's the weaker of the effects. But, but just like I told you, you know, in a movie that really didn't have that much special effects needed for it, it was very special effects laden just to put his face when he's standing there with a the crow on his and they superimposed his face because at that time, I mean, look at now, you know, imagine doing like they could honestly just remake the crow and like. I mean, if they're able to make Kurt Russell look like young Kurt <laughs> yeah. Russell and all this other stuff, they could pretty much just – They could insert Brandon Lee if they wanted to. That's what I'm saying. They could redo The Crow with Brandon Lee. And somehow Ernie Hudson looked younger now <laughs> than when he did in Ghostbusters. So Yeah. No, and that's the, that's the, that's the creepy part. I know that Alex Proyas, the original director of this movie, has been very adamant about that he does not want to, he's been fighting for not to do a reboot. Um, and, and I, and I think he has a case, you know, he, he wants people to see a director's cut of his version. What, 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 what I find fascinating. And I think out of respect for, for, for uh, Linda Lee Caldwell and the family at the time of, of, of Brandon's uh, passing and then the court trial and all that kind of stuff, the case, she had a request and then she got to see the film and then really did not want to see Brandon uh, shot. Yeah. He, well, he gets shot in the movie, but I guess no, she no, but there's there a certain, some... yeah, there's a certain way she didn't want to see him played on the big screen. But you know what, when you get the DVDs and the Blu-rays, all those extra scenes are on there and you get to see all of those scenes that originally cut. And I think it'd be awesome to see, you know, Alex get a shot, Put some of those things back with the technology that's available. They could finish those those uh, cowboy scenes. This movie could be. I think the film would be better. And they could digitally take out Ernie Hudson's mustache. <laughs> yeah, put and put a Max. Superman cape on him. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't need the crew. No, you know, and that the like I said though it, the the technology now. I, I think if he would have stayed in there, it still would have been a movie that we liked. See, and, that, and I think that's the dip because I know I know we had a bad taste in our mouth whenever all these people wanted to watch The Crow because, oh, that's the movie that. And and some people, you know, they're like, oh, that's the movie he died in, and they honestly believed that they were gonna like keep that scene in there, right? Like they were expecting. That yeah. we're gonna get to see in the movie. To this day, people think that that scene is is still in that film. Yeah, and if I recall, after she watched the footage, didn't they destroy the footage? In the in the courtroom. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, in, the, they, in the chambers. Because they said that they did not want that Twilight Zone. 
because and and I was telling I was talking to my wife about this, uh, Jess. I was like, you know, it, it wasn't the internet back then, but we know that would have gotten out. Oh, it would have been on uh, 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 what is it? Uh, Traces of death and all that, like those those video yeah, tapes. It, so I mean, yeah. and and it was like, you know, it, it was one of those things where you know they were not nobody, nobody. They they were so close to Brandon, and it was Brandon's. You know, it was his. That was his. His Enter the Dragon. That was his movie. He was, it wasn't, you know, Rapid Fire had come out, but it wasn't, I mean, Rapid Fire, that could be anybody. Brandon Lee tried to be the, like, from reading the comic, and that's why he had the comic, you know, like, we learned about that he would, you know, he wanted that brought to life. And, you know, you don't, you rarely see that where, you know, sometimes, you have people who are like, oh, well, I didn't even really read the comic or do this because I, I wanted to – he, like – he didn't – his interpretation wanted to bring James O'Barr's vision to life. Like, he connected with that story, like, the, the, the emotion in it and tried to make it – that was going to be his movie. That, and, and you're right. That, that would have been his, his make or break if he was going to – and, again, we'll never know. And, and, you know, so, I mean, I don't – you know, of course – don't dwell on it that much, but there's still that thought. Like, would he, you know, but the same could be said about Bruce Lee, you know? And, and that was, that was a comparison people were doing. Oh, well, game of death. Oh, and now the crow. And then the dragon came out. And if you remember we, we saw the dragon and there was that scene where Bruce Lee supposedly broke the curse by destroying that demon. He's telling Brandon run. And, then they, you know, before they released the movie, they had to go back in and put in memory of Brandon, you know, in loving memory yeah. of Brandon. And it's like, it, that movie became more emotional. And again, we're Bruce Lee fans. Yeah. But because yep. of that little scene at the end, it's like, ah, you know, yeah. thanks a lot, Bruce. You didn't do it. No, you know. Yeah. Give us but a bit again, more. so they tried, you know, and I, I wouldn't say the director or anything like that, but of course the movie people are tried to build off of that comparison that parallel with his father the curse and so a lot of people wanted to watch the crow because of that and sometimes we would get a little upset mainly because it wasn't it wasn't that we we liked brandon lee we liked bruce lee so of course you know brandon lee you could start seeing he was building up in rapid fire i think it was right before that was like the movie he made right before this so that movie was awesome and it was just getting he was just he was finally getting out of the sidekick role from um Shodalo Tokyo and slowly moving up into an action star and this movie i think just you know again at that time to see a movie that dark that i mean you know you and and i i actually mean dark like um, there's there's not a lot of movies that are just that, like, you know, dark, you know, just every you could yeah. But but the white con and I think that's why they did it because that white contrasted and it was just like boom, you know. Uh, Richard says something about what about B roll and this is I guess referring to I guess when the the death scene and then uh, Chris Embry says wasn't the scene where. 
he uh, arrived at home and was shot by Funboy. Uh, that that they actually had to reshoot that, and because yeah. originally uh, he opens the door and Funboy Fun turns around and shoots him while he's holding the groceries. If you recall the new version, Tintin throws a, a knife at him, and that's what sends him going to the ground, and then he's pulls the knife out of his chest and when that happens you know then they pull him up and then they hold him up and then they two guys pull the guns so it's not just one guy holding a gun it's actually two guys uh, I guess shoot him and then they throw him out the window uh, I'm assuming see the other creepy scene is the uh, the death mask that that is used in that. Um, they actually use that mask again to have the other actor wear uh, that was the double for him in some scenes. And in some scenes, they would have uh, some computer animation uh, played over that. Uh, one of the most expensive scenes, wh what do you think what the most expensive scene in the movie? Uh, you get one, one guess and then we'll jump into it because that way you'll be guessing forever. But just think about the movie. He breaks the mirror. Yep. And they have to show all the... That was the most expensive shot in the entire film. Where and they reused footage when he was when it was raining and he was like... Yeah, he's walking into the house like that and then he walks again in the alley that way. You know what? If you, it, it, it's, 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 the scenes play out longer where, okay, he's supposed to actually go to the pinball uh, after it explodes... He just became the – he's back from the dead. He's supposed to run into that woman. There was a woman that was cut out of that scene that was tied up in the pinball arcade, and she stumbles out, I guess, on fire or whatever, and the crow catches her, or Brandon Lee's character catches her, and that's his first glimpse of the villains that he had interacted with. But because – right, because the way they've reshuffled the storyline – they wanted him on his journey, and then the minute he went into the house is when he got all those impressions of the villains that he had to chase. They didn't want to see another person, you know, going into uh, into into that mode. So that was kind of a, a different way that they kind of played that one out. Um, but but those scenes, they're there. They're Brandon interacting, and the, to me, the thing is that. The sad part is when you're taking scenes that he was actually in and putting scenes that are not him to, to fill in this other story. So there's so much of this other stuff that's on the cutting room floor. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, that's the travesty of this whole thing. We don't get well, to see I remember all we didn't find out about stuff. the Skull Cowboy until like way later on, right? If but I recall. It, well, okay. No, the picture, the first picture. Well, there was an interactive... It was it was a, a interactive DVD of the Crow. I don't know if you mm -hmm. recall this thing. And they actually had a quick time movie in the in in the computer that you downloaded and played. Uh, and it had the it was the actual clip of the Skull Cowboy. So, okay, I was trying but, to remember that because. But 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 Michael Berryman was already saying that his character was cut. Skull Cowboy. I remember hearing that he was cast as the Skull Cowboy. We didn't know what the hell was going to happen, but the minute that there was no Skull Cowboy, I was like, wow, they didn't use the Skull Cowboy. Of course, they didn't have a talking bird. Uh, I <laughs> I don't think they could have got away with that part, but 
but that that's a whole there's a whole different vibe going here with the, with that and i think that's to me those are the issues that okay okay he he's a rock star in in this version of the crow they didn't really establish him being any kind of rock star he was just a regular guy in the now i i wonder comic books I wonder if he was alive, were they going to show him shoot up morphine? See, that's what I, that's another thing because that was another thing of that character. The other thing was the self abuse that mm -hmm. see the way that they were going to get around that part that I do know of is the fact that he has a fight with fun boy that was actually cut entirely out, but fun boy gets the straight razor from the bathroom. Floor. Yeah. And it, you know the scene is there because I remember seeing it. And he's he's holding he's holding the syringe right there at the doorway. And, they show it. and it's he's all. And you have all the it, it, okay. This is the way it looked. Okay, here it goes. Right. Okay. Right. Right. Where's my hand? Okay. It's like this. Yeah. He's going. Yep. That's a little like he's holding it like that with all this space behind him, and then it cuts away, and you're like, "What the hell is all that they show, big?" They show the straight razor on the on the sink. Yeah, do it on the stink, and then all of a sudden, in every we know in every movie, whenever there's this yeah. much room, he's coming. Like, he's coming. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna see the. <laughs> <laughs> and and sure enough, eventually in the special edition uh, box set with two unnamed other movies that for some reason they package some uh, bootleg movies in there. Uh, that you get to see all these extra clips and you see and that entire fight play out. And that's why you see the big cut in the back of his jacket. And you're like, well, wait a minute, where do you get that big cut? Why does he have all these electrical tape all on his hands? Because that was the battle that he had right. with fun. And, they, and don't they later explain, they're like, Oh, it's because you were trying to help the girl. Like, Oh, that's what happened. Well, I see, mean, there's an iconic, there's an iconic well, poster that we have where he's like that. Okay. And see all the electrical tape. But, okay, Chris poses an interesting thing. So, of, of the crow has these re regeneration powers. Why all of a sudden is he, is he uh, weak? Okay, this is well, this is why. This goes into Skull Cowboy. Skull, he doesn't realize the powers that he have. that every time he exerts power to save people, or in the case of Dar, uh, like Darla, which is uh, uh, Sarah's mom, he interacts with her and drains the morphine out of her body. That interaction actually weakens the crow and makes him vulnerable. He doesn't know that at that time. So when he gets sliced from the back and then he starts getting attacked on the arms, his healing, yeah, his healing power is a lot slower. And then he overtakes uh, Fun Boy and uh, eventually uh, sticks him with all the morphine in the chest. Allowing because that's, that's the because that's the, the the whole point of it is the crow. Well, they they probably changed it, but the whole point of the crow was to bring him back just to avenge himself or revenge, revenge himself. Avenge. I don't know how that. Avenge. No, but he's but <laughs> it's himself, or is he avenging? No, him? he he's specifically doing it for the girl. Okay. His his death was uh, irrelevant. Inconsequential. Remember, they were dead when they touched her. They were already dead when they touched her. I think that's what he said. So, yes. so that's that is a, a flaw in the story when you remove the skull cowboy who gives those instructions because the other 
they had to tie in the bird in a different way. And basically the bird was the secret to the power, which you have this stupid conversation. Ah, the key to the, to the crow is the bird and blah, 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 to kill the bird. And you get, I'm pretty, I did not like, I didn't like They hired her just for that whole, that, that whole situation. Yeah. They hired her and said, you know what? Let's get some, Never mind. Well, Uh, you know what? They said that Brandon Lee was very instrumental in removing some uh, non, very unsensitive Asian material from the script. And so they added it right back in. When he- oh, yeah. Oh, he's dead. Let's put it back in there. Yeah. I like the pretty lights. <laughs> Asian. <laughs> but oh. She became an ornament. She became an ornament. She did. That's, she did. She was, all the mysticism, again, all of that, whatever, got thrown out the window again. She was he just might as well, He might have said, yeah, might as well get some cow gone, take him away, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Ancient Chinese secret. It's, I mean, you know, something his dad, something Bra- Bruce Lee fought all his life, and Brandon tried to continue it on just to have that brought back in. Yeah. After he died, I'm I'm serious. I'm pretty sure they brought that back in, or they they they. You know what? You know what it in. was. This is what probably happened. Well, we got to put it somehow back in the mystical stuff. It's got to have to be ancient from the Oriental, ancient uh, mysticism and all this whatever, and that's probably what they ended up doing. And, and the thing is that uh, because we're going to remove Skull Cowboy and we're going to move all this other stuff, well, then we have to have a different way. We're going to put all this money into the special effects of Brandon Lee. We can't afford to finish all the special effects with Michael Berryman and the Skull Cowboy stuff. That's, that's, then, they have the, then they have the Beauty and the Beast scene up top when they're fighting. <laughs> the yeah. Gaston and Beast. Yeah. So, so, let's, so let's have three mo- – was it three – Okay, there's Brandon falling out the window, and then we have uh, uh, the makeup, and then we have Skank. Skank's dead, and he falls out the window, and then and then who who they're battling on the on the top of the roof, and then him. Three reused shots, dude. I didn't I like to, I didn't like that part you, though, either. I have to tell you, rereading rereading the comic, I'm really glad that Skank got his head chopped off. Because of what and and caught like, oh, I, I I you know what that totally. There's some big old personal reasons why now that in the comic, that scene just, like, James O'Barr was like, I'm gonna make sure you know every one of these guys deserves to die, and the scene where Tom Tom and Skank die, it's a little bit closer now to me and man. I was reading it. I'm like, wait, wait, did I – like, I? it didn't even hit until I'm rereading it again, and then they even say it. And I'm just like – and then I, just, I reread that scene like five times just today. I don't know. Yeah. I, okay. Uh, no, I'll move on from that. And the thing is, yeah, no, I, I recommend any – if you have not seen the uh, – the the trade paperback in any in any form pick up a copy of this thing it, it by now it's in a hardback edition i have my hardback right over here uh you can get these off of amazon ebay or whatever and they're like anywhere between what 15 20 and it's and it's a it is an amazing collection of of art and story 
and um, it's it's not your regular comic book. I'm I'm gonna tell you this that these pages by themselves, they're there's some pages that you're just looking at the artwork going, wait a minute, what is this? A dream sequence? And well, you know, it's very uh, different. It's a very, if very I recall, James R. James O'Barr was self-taught. Yep. That's what he I was self-taught, and yep. you can see that. Um, it in a way it it kind of lent itself to the moods that he would because every every almost every shot with him and his wife in the in the flashbacks in the comic are very light the the lighting the it's it's very just and then all of a sudden you just switch over and it's just like the darkness could you, know, you imagine having to like, could you imagine having to, to color that that's well, he, that's, that's not saying. computers, the man. Like, There's no computers in that thing, man. That's not computer artwork, man. That's dark ass pictures. But again, so you get and, and see, this is this is one thing that I think kind of spoke to me, being a very poor artist, is that you have this style right here. Mm -hmm. and you see him, and then oh, you're gonna show one of those crazy weird crow well, faces. I mean, <laughs> it's just like. You know, you get you get like, oh man, look at that. That's just like a lot of the artwork's just like, yeah, intricate. And then all of a sudden, I'm I'm pretty sure there's a panel with stick figures. <laughs> you know, you just yeah, it it's hard. I mean, like the the style. Like I'm gonna tell you what. Whenever you see a picture of Eric like alive, he, it's like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> But I'm saying, like, it's a different. It's it, it's Balky from uh, yeah, Perfect Strangers. It's Bronson Pinchot, and then you get the Cure, Ian you know. Curtis, and Iggy Pop, and all these other dudes. And I mean, isn't that pretty much who he? I mean, yeah, isn't that yeah. Iggy Pop right there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. You get like, but a lot of it, he didn't draw this in. But you I know mean, what? Think about it. Think about it. If you grabbed one of your kids' books, obviously they're not drawing this, but you see the the different styles that they kind of go through, except he decided he's going to connect some of this with stories. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Right there. Look, at, is look at the face up there on that one compared to the goofy face that you showed on the other character. Yeah. And then, and then sometimes you kind of wonder why is, why is the crow like standing really pretty like, Sometimes, you know, calm down. Well, I mean, well, see that to me, that's a cure picture. That right there is like the cure. Right. But then you have the ballet stuff. Well, yeah. And you have the, yeah. Then you have that, the Susie and the Banshee part. <laughs> and, right. But a, a lot of it is the mood and you know, he didn't, when he when he drew this comic, I'm pretty sure seven years later when it was actually printed, he had to go back and redraw or they're probably like the stick figure just needs you know, it's just like Well, actually he I don't I don't know what kind of editors they had uh in position for this. I, I don't know what, what they did. Um these were all independent going through caliber. He didn't even the whole series didn't even get finished. It wasn't until the trade paperback came out that they put that fifth book in there. Yeah. 
I've, like, I've, I've never opened, unfortunately. He's all, this is, they're like, you might need to redraw this one. He's like, but my feelings. And they're like, okay, fine. I'm going to draw that. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because this thing ran, uh, by the time he did the trade paperback, he he was drawing the rest of the series. Uh, there's there's one page. It's like all black, but the captions. You notice that they're like in a box. It's like they just yeah. pasted it there when they went to print. And dude, dude, I haven't even opened those comics. You know, you yeah, know the like, original okay. the original caliber that I have. I've never opened that those four. And the reason being is because, and you know it's newspaper print. Yeah. Do you imagine this in newspaper print, dude? So, like, in one in one picture, you have Eric Draven, like, hey, guys. And then dude, I, all we, Dude, go to – if Romacon happens, you go tell him, no, no, I don't want that version. Could you draw the other version of Eric Draven for me? I want the alive where he's shaving. I want the – Yeah. I want – yeah, I want that version, the, the John Hughes uh, – No, it reminds me of – Jim Carrey and Ace Ventura when he gets this the autograph and he's all <laughs> that's that's yeah. the Eric Draven I want I want his alive I want his happiness I don't want yeah. I want his, I want a, yeah, I want I want the pre version before he became the Crow version book I want that book <laughs> James O'Barr I want a picture of you before never mind that's messed up I want it in eighty I want before Berlin. I want happy J, J O Bar. You, you know, it'd be interesting. Have has anybody ever found one of these in manuals, these uh, instruction manuals or whatever that he was drawing in the military? I'm wondering because he was doing military manuals. I mean, I know, but I'm pretty sure there were the, like the survival ones where they're like, "Drink your canteen," and then. Meanwhile, they're like, "Don't do this." Uh, you know what? He was he was drawing the weapons. That's why he's able to draw every little oh, wording. Yeah. Python three fifty seven. Your shells. He oh, just... and one thing I noticed: what every comic person does, the little shout out. So to me, this goes into play of he was a um, the glass company. I don't know if you if you saw this. The glass company. Eisner Glass. Okay. All right. So the shout out to Will Eisner. Most most people and, and that's the thing, and that's what I was doing. I was going through the comic looking at what's written in the background. Because you know, you see that now a lot of comic artists, I mean you know, they used to be Easter eggs back in, you know, back in the day. But most comic, you know, like, honestly, every comic now, you'll see something with the last names of Kirby. Um, uh, even in uh, that new movie, Scoob, uh, that uh, Messick Mountain, like, all of the names of the people who played the characters, they're somewhere in the in – the, in the, uh, in the the show uh, or the movie and they do that in comics too you'll see people go on kirby drive like kirby is usually a store name or a street name somewhere in their comic to pay homage to the people who 
Um, and I'm thinking the spirit, like Will Eisner, you know, he had that, yeah. that, that, you know, he probably remembers there, there that were, and that. There were some other things. I mean, he, he was influenced in some way by, by classic, uh, 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 cartoon or cartoons, a uh, comic book, uh, uh, draw you know drawings and stuff like that uh, but as far as a formal uh, education he, he does not have that uh, he does know how to draw obviously his skills were uh, working on his own and what I remember hearing him is that he would bleed on the page that's what it was his it was all cathartic for him okay you look at that picture when he's he's yeah. slicing up Tom yeah, Tom yeah. And that. his eye is extremely bigger than it should be. Yeah. And I feel, but again, I'm not dogging this because look at my comic. It, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying, but to me, it's like each page is a different style because he has no style because this was feeling, this yep. was all emotion. Yep. And I, it was funny. Cause I was just thinking, we're talking about all this stuff that's not in the movie. And, and I'm thinking most of the people that I know of who have watched this movie don't even know it's a comic book. So they just watch the movie and that's all. They're just like, oh man, it's great. And I'm like, but they're missing. And, and, and then, you know, and that's why I'm, I'm actually afraid. I was afraid of this uh, Crow one because I'm, I'm thinking if, if we're not care too careful, like we can go on to like five and I, I can't. No, I can't. no, I know. No, I know. Um, I know. But and you know, I just think about, and and that's the problem with us. We so we, we can always we can always revisit. Hey, you know what? We're gonna do book one. We're gonna yeah. do you know because that and we'll is, go panel by panel and and talk that, about. This is how um, impactful that this book was, uh, regardless of of it being rough. You know what? Am I wrong? This is inspiring. That tells and gives you. I can do this as well. I can tell my story. You know, and not be, you know, I don't have to be perfect and, and not be able to. I, that's one thing that I read about this book. Sometimes I would have to go back and go, wait a minute. Let me read this again. Did I miss something? Because it would go certain style, certain style, flashback in a totally different style. And then you end up coming back here and you're like, wait a minute. Is this the same woman? Wait a minute. Is this the same guy? Is this the same crow? Is this so What's going and on so here? Because of that, you would think I would like Rob Liefeld, but I don't. <laughs> so that's like having – that's like – you know what? That's I'm going to do a comic book, and it's going to go from looking like the Wizard of Id, go to Rob Liefeld, then to Leonardo da Vinci, then, you know, do a messed up McFarlane, and then stick figures. And it, it everything's going to be different. Every page – it's like, honestly, this is almost like, oh, I got 17 different artists to do a comic. No, no, it's just one. <laughs> it's, just one. it's just one. Is there any other book, just just for shits and giggles, is there something else that is out there that is as beloved that has something like this in a collection where the artwork just goes pretty much? You know, I, I think if this was any other book, any other story, it, this wouldn't have flown. I think what really, what the reason, okay, and, and again, this goes back to like, okay, I don't like Liefeld, but I give this a pass because, again, he wrote this because his girl, his wife or his fiance, she died, drunk driver. Mm -hmm. And instead of like 
killing himself because of the being distraught, he put it he, on. He, yeah, he put he it on the pages. Put it on paper, and so when you see those pictures, you know it's almost like those feelings of loss are his feelings, not Eric's. But those are his feelings. Like he misses, you know. And and I think I think this is his diary, you know, in in a way, in a sense. Um, many people, and that that's why sometimes you get, you know, you you hear the you hear the thing about oh well, you know, violence and oh there's too much violence. Well, this was therapeutic for him because instead of going out and finding that drunk driver and killing that person, he put it down in paper. Like oh my gosh. If I could, this is what I would do. And to me, this is his uh, look into his 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 psyche, his his grieving process. And so sometimes he's like telling his story, but then there's those pictures where he's like, and it's just like his emotions going through his hand, getting those feelings out. And other times it's like, nah, I'm just shooting this guy in the head, you know. But and I think that's why, to me, I give him a pass with the different art styles and the different storytelling, because I'll tell you what, the one thing that was you reading the comic again, you look at the thing. I mean, he just sounded like a crazy serial killer. I mean, <laughs> the, the stuff that he's, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, just if, he like, does, so, if he doesn't have this book, dude, this dude's going out and he's going to go. He's going to go. He's going to go shoot people up, dude. I mean, there's this part where he's like, I feel it on the molecular level. I'm like, what? what is, what are you talking about? You know, I mean, and over here, he's like cutting digits off of people and making them eat them. I don't, it's like, Mr. Jones, are there spots in a leopard's eye, sir? Or also, I mean, it's like, he just goes around, and there's even a part where, like, should we kill him? They're like, no, nah, just let him ramble on for a little bit. He's like, hey! Um, you know, they, they threw in the, the, the nails, mm. you know, putting the nails on the thing, but it was a different scene. Yeah, yeah. But there was a lot of a lot of craziness, but the way Brandon portrayed it, you know, where he's like, stop me if you heard this. You know, it was almost like, I'm going to have fun killing you. But in this comic, it's just like, this is blind. I, I, I know who I have to kill. I'm crazy and you're going to die. And again, yeah. in the comic, he's, he's keeping a vial of morphine and pretty much shooting up the whole thing before he goes in. So it's like, where does that play in? Like, that, that's what I'm saying. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that isn't in here or like even, explanation. Right. You know, okay, why did he have to, you know, he was self-mutilating himself. Yet he still felt like he needed to take morphine yeah. to go in and kill. And so again, that's, I don't know. Again, I don't know if that was a metaphor, uh, you know, something that was above, you know, again, if he wrote this in like the eighties, this was not the storytelling of the eighties. This, right. this the comic even, okay. Even when this came out of caliber, you didn't see this kind of storytelling back then. And again, this, you know, you usually had, you know, superheroes. Right, right, right. And then so, but but then again, again they, they did say the roots the roots of most of this were like in eighty one and and stuff yeah. like that. So the punk punk movement was definitely uh, pretty strong 
going at that time. This guy goes off to the military. I don't, I mean, I don't recall any major wars happening in the early eighties, unless he went to the Falkland islands or something like that. But anyway, uh, but he was in Berlin. Okay. Yeah. This is still when there was the wall East and West. Yeah. So you got yeah. to see that duality type thing. And, uh, the well, I'm saying there was a possibility of, I mean, that's like being stationed, you know, in Korea by the, the South Korea, North Korea. Right, right, right. And I mean, when tensions were really high. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you had, you had people who were trying to cross the, the wall getting shot. I mean, so there was that, that tense feeling of, you know, just everything going on. And then for that to happen. Right. You know, um, we, yeah, definitely. We can go on and on. Uh, we, we, we went from the comic book into the movie parallels to the comic book. And then we start, we're basically talking about, the textures and and everything in styles of the comic book. The comic book is 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 the is really the the comparison of everything. Uh, the fact that the soundtrack the soundtrack doesn't necessarily reflect the comic book in any shape or form, but it does enhance or is a a, a really good companion to the movie and the, and the time and place. Oh, that yeah. crow is a different crow from the crow in the. Uh, in the comic book, the comic book is definitely this eighties, uh, eighties to late eighties uh, uh, character, and then well, well, you know what? It may, maybe even earlier than that because there's dudes that look like they're from the Warriors. Yeah, uh, uh, Tintin. Yeah, yeah. He's got the afro and the you know the bandana and, and all whatever. So honestly, it's like reading this, and we were talking about this um, the other night. Um, this soundtrack for this, if they did the movie when it took place in the '80s, you would see the Bauhaus, the um, Susie and the Banshees, the Cure, Joy Division, you know, stuff like that. I mean, you know, and that music and that music is very somber. It's very atmospheric. It's very, uh, and we're not talking about the dancey mm -hmm. songs that you normally would see of uh, uh of of the of those bands it's not the dancey songs it's the the droning you know uh well the, you know just the, the those 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 depressing songs that that had to be the soundtrack when he was drawing this stuff it, it had to have been in the comic they just do the whole lyrics yep. of the hanging garden yeah and i mean just I can just, I picture that song, just the bass, the and, you know, I think in some of the songs for the soundtrack, they had that, mm -hmm. the spirit, that, that feel that, I mean, just for the fact that he got the cure to, you know, or he, or they, the cure played, they wrote a song for this movie. Right. It wasn't, hey, we're going to use one of their old songs. They wrote a song. And to me, it's just like, I don't know. I I, like, I I honestly thought they were going to actually have these bands when they announced the, the kind of bands that were, I guess, going to appear in this thing. I actually thought we uh -oh. were, because when they mentioned, what, what happened? Hello? I'm here. Hello, hello. Maybe, maybe you'll, you'll catch on in a second. But when I thought when they were picking a lot of these bands or these bands were part of the uh, soundtrack, I thought they were actually going to be playing old songs. There was going to be older tracks or there were going to be remakes of older songs. Cause I know the, 
Nine Inch Nails, they went full blown um, recreating a song. They 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 recreated Dead Souls, and so I I thought I was just saying I thought the whole soundtrack was going to be remakes. I thought it was oh. going to be people playing like like what what uh, Nine Inch Nails did. I thought it was going to be one of those kind of things, and they played Dead Souls. I thought well, a lot of these get Joy Division to do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but. And see, I think, and and I think that's why, I think they had him because, um, there's even a, a part in the comic where it says Dead Souls, mm-hmm. and so I think, like, I think he asked them, or he probably said, "I need this, this song in there," and they said, "Who can do it? Uh, let's look it for a band now," and they probably picked Nine Inch Nails. Um, they had that feel, you know. Um, well, yeah, and, I mean, they, they were picking bands that that were at that time, you know, uh, you know, the the more modern, and you got to get that, you have to get that young crowd into your movie. You can't just fill it up with old songs that you're hoping that these people are gonna that are gonna like that. I mean, you had to get uh, Rage Against the Machine, Helmet, uh, you know, those type of, you know, some of those type bands. Well, let me ask you a question because I, I tried to, <laughs> I tried to watch The Crow. It's no longer streaming anywhere. Um, yeah, you don't you don't own a copy. Um, I do on my computer. Okay, but it was off, and I was like gonna watch it as I was falling asleep. Um, do do they do the the casings in the hair? He does in some scenes, and I remember why they did not do it fully throughout the film. In early filming, they would tie the bullet casings on, and what would happen is that when he would like do his head like that, because they are in the scene where actually he's gunned That's down what everything. I thought I saw, yeah. He has them in but, there, but what was happening, they were hitting his teeth. They would whip his teeth, and they were like almost chipping his teeth. So they decided we're not going to do that. But that you do see that occasionally. There's a, it's a whole thing in the actual comic book where he's actually yeah. for every person he's supposed to tie a, a, a casing on it in his hair. They they, right. they weren't following the comic book. The oh, do you recognize this? And he pulled it off of another cat. The the uh, trophies. He, the trophies. Yeah, but see, and that's the thing he, though. Yeah. In the movie, he killed him by stabbing him. He didn't even shoot Tintin. Right, 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 right. But I well, see, yeah, he had what he had an axe. He had he didn't, his, he didn't take he didn't take the 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 jacket jacket. From right, but what I get okay, but the way he killed the different people, he had guns, he had the drugs, he, he had at one point uh, 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 he says uh, talking to Gabriel about the seven samurai, he so he ended up with a, a sword uh, somewhere, and then. Um, what do you have? An axe, or an axe of some kind, and then yeah. uh, I don't know. He he used all kind of ways. This dude was like, uh, okay, how about this? They're doing the crow, and he's basically like Freddy Krueger and uh, Michael Meyer. That's that's what I think that they were probably. Uh, you know, a different version because they none of these dudes talked, only Freddy Krueger. But then we're gonna play this character up. That's what my fear is, and I think if anybody's fighting that, it's Brandon Lee, and he's got to put that smart ass talking, uh, all these things. Because the minute you have that, all you're doing is recreating 
Halloween and all this, hunting down all these bad dudes. So you're like part Batman and Michael Meyer, you know, killing all these people. Because I think at one time in the comic book, they, don't they call him the shape? And that's what Halloween was. I think the character is known as the shape. Chris Embrys. I think he's known as the shape, right? Or they call what do they call the 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 Halloween guy? They refer to him as, uh, or at least the actor, they refer to him as that. They don't call him uh, Michael Meyer. They don't. They don't. They don't refer to him as that. You're and, the Duke. And oh, that's wait. and that's actually like a throwback to the. Uh, I want to say like Frankenstein. They didn't call him Frankenstein's monster. I think they called him what question mark or whatever the creature or I don't know they called him something else they didn't call him Frankenstein's monster they called him something else and I think that's a the creature an, an ode to Frankenstein and then Michael Meyer they called him shape and then he's referred there's several things that hint at different things in this and that's what I think is uh, uh, really cool about the crow um, so then we, we've talked about the movie the impact of the movie uh, had a strong impact on movies that were coming out next. Uh, it proved to be a success, even with the death of an actor, that we started seeing more comic book movies being made as a, as a result of this, along with the regular batch of, of comic book movies. But still, even then, it's still not enough for Hollywood to admit that that's the next thing that needs to be done. I think everybody's still a little gun-shy about... Uh, is it fluky? Is it because the guy died? You do you do get a little bubbling of some other uh, comic book type movies, but for every Crow and for every Batman, you end up with a Daredevil and Ghost Rider and all this other garbage. So, um, yeah. So, so what 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 ends up coming next? Obviously, a movie succeeds. You have a sequel, and in some people's eyes, the. I don't think they'll. I don't think they'll ever make. I mean, another crow movie. I think after they made that one, they just stopped. They broke the mold. That was it. No more. No more crow movies. For sake of I argument, ever, I don't know if they ever try to make a sequel. In in an alternate universe, let's say there were three sequels and a TV show made, but anyway, they they did not live up to whatever the thing is. I watched Salvation, dude. What ends up happening? They do the whole breaking of the glass scene. He sees himself in the mirror and, oh, he breaks the mirror. And then what is the scene uh, the crow does when he's at the top of a building and he wants to get down? They play the same scene out. Yep. Face the forward dive. Creed. The Assassin's Creed. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they really didn't get, you know, let, let's, let's play these scenes. And, of course, it happens to be another, you know, it's like Inter Spider-Man and – He's trying to have some smart ass lines as well, like these one liners and I think what I think what you said, it's like they weren't trying to make a sequel to the crow, they're trying to make a sequel to to Brandon Lee. They're trying to do Yep. They're 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 trying to do a retelling, but I mean, I know you know, there was actually other crow comics. I mean there's you there's still crow comics going on and I remember after that James O'Barr did another crow or something like that like with a um aaron craven or something i don't know yeah <laughs> yeah i just yeah you know and, and it's gonna be like that you're always gonna have remakes 
Uh, I think the last time that this remake was going to support like a remake of the actual Eric Draven Crow, uh, I think Jason Momoa was yep. um, linked to it, which. Yeah. And he even, he even had makeup like right when, when they, when they basically were told that this film was not going to happen, they went ahead and put him in the makeup or whatever and gave it like a little hint, like, well, this is what it would have looked like. And, and that was about it. I, I think maybe that's why it just didn't get. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I get... if you remember, I mean, if you remember for the longest time, the person who was supposed to play Bloodshot was uh, the Green Ranger. What's his name? Oh, uh, yeah. I know, I know it's not his real name, but. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden it's like they, I mean, there was even pictures. There was even, I think that, that small trailer of Ninjak versus the Valiant Universe. Right, and yeah. he was, he was, bloodshot, and then all of a sudden, Vin Diesel, and we're like, what? Uh, Chris Embrys yeah. mentions that in City of Angels promo, the character's name, I think it said uh, Michael Corvin, and then but yeah. it ended up being uh, Ash or something of that nature. Um, Corvid, Corvid, like like the bird, uh, but. So okay, so a bunch of sequels, and then uh, they're, they're they, Vincent Perez, right? Vincent Perez or Perez? Any French? Yeah, but I think I think he also said my name is Vincent Perez. <laughs> anyway, um, so they they weren't successful. Uh, Jeff Most, I'm assuming, is still the producer of this, along with Edward Pressman. They have been trying to figure out a way to get this thing rebooted. Uh, they still haven't found the right chemistry. Um, Rob Zombie at one time was attached to this project. There have been so many different people attached uh, to The Crow in some way to reboot it, resurrect it, put it in the future, make their own uh, version of it or something. 2099? Yeah, something like that. I forgot what it was like. Uh, just some fantastical version. But um, the only the only thing I could think of is if somebody was to try to go to the original source material. You know, why, I don't know. Why don't they try an animated version of it? I don't, you know, if you don't. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that might not work either. You know what? It's going to be like Speed Racer. It's going to be one of these things that are just kind of, it's just weird. Uh and, and it happens to be something that Rob likes. And it's just, you know, because I've seen some really weird Speed Racer, like, comic books. Even the original comic book that was not the manga is, like, weird looking. The the now comics have, like, these weird interpretations of Speed Racer and, and Trixie based on the artists that they were that they were using and stuff. So, it's like we want it to look like anime and manga, but not. So yeah. kind of... I personally thought it would have been cool to see like the, you know, what movie really captured the spirit of what I thought should have been uh, speed racer was, was the uh, Incredibles two. When I saw that and all the gadgets in the freaking car, I was like, this is what the crow, not, not the crow. This is what speed racer should be like. Uh, oh, speaking on that part, um, Actors originally chose, or they were wanting to get to play the crow. Um, uh, James O'Barr wanted um, Johnny Depp 
that's who he saw as playing uh, the crow. And then I think uh, the the producers, I think they had somebody else in mind. It was um, oh, Mike uh, Charlie Sexton. They wanted Charlie Sexton, and they wanted a musician, actual music. Oh, Michael Jackson. That's yeah. Those two were were in the running at oh, one time. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and and good luck with getting Johnny Depp. He's pretty picky at what he was doing yeah. at that time. Yeah, he, yeah. He would have he would have had to be filming uh, Crybaby, I think, at that time. I, I think they vetoed him, saying Johnny Depp could not pull this off. There's no way he could be a, a freaky character of this nature at all. So they probably vetoed uh, what's his name, uh, James O'Barr, right off the bat. Uh, he went on to do Crybaby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he he he. Uh, yeah, he wasn't going to do that, and then he went off to do Ed Wood as well. Um, so we um, so beyond what? Where where do you? I mean, other than I mean, obviously they're still doing comic books. Do you think we'll ever see a a, a Crow reboot of some kind, a formal Crow reboot in the next five years? Not the next five years, but it will come. It it it's. You know, I mean, I remember Obar's 60 plus years old, I think. So the year after he dies, <laughs> that they will make somebody, somebody will, French, somebody will come out with it. The Amazon original, um, the Crow miniseries. Well, I mean, if they, I don't know, like you see the boys, you see stuff like that. Um, I, you know what? I, I will say that. I think that's how it would have to be remade. Not into one movie. Not into one, one and a half hour, hour two hour movie, a series. A mini series, a four episode, you know, it needs to be. And that's why I kind of dig a lot of the stuff they're doing with the mini series and stuff like that. There's some things because you can't invest your feelings in a movie. So when we watched the movie, we knew about it. Yep. Other people that were watching it just thought it was a, a, a good flick. Um, and they again, they wanted to see it because, oh, the actor died in it. The novelty Bruce was Lee's a kid. Th there was a still, novelty to it. Still, still not even Brandon Lee, just Bruce Lee's kid. Um, and I think, I think that's the only way that they're gonna be able to do a proper crow story is to give it the time to cultivate. And if it's doing each book as an episode. You know, so you get that whole feeling. It's not like, well, let's cram this in an hour and a half or two hours. It's, okay, book one is an hour and a half. Book two or an hour, 45 minutes, something. And each book is a, is the story. I mean, that's the only way I think they're going to be able to do certain stories well. Um, you're not going to be able to cram, you know, anytime they do, like, uh, the when we were talking about Marvel, right? Um, you know, they had to do 20 something movies for you to give a crap that half of them disappeared. Um, if they were to have just made the Avenger movies and none of the other movies, no one would give a crap. No one would care that Gamora and star Lord weren't together or she didn't remember him. They right. had to do separate stories 
to make you invest into these characters. And again, we had the, the, the compendium, I guess they call them or whatever, um, with the comic book. So we knew what was coming with the crow. We had the feeling behind it. And I think that's the only, um, that's the only way that we were able to, uh, fully enjoy the, um, the the crows because we knew right, about yeah it. yeah i mean to me that was the whole thing about speed racer i'm there watching it i know everything i know everything backward and forward in that mean movie whatever and and I, it's affecting me in a different way than some dudes like oh this is stupid they had a talking monkey or whatever or monkeys in this thing and i don't know what to make of this thing and and the cars are doing all these tricks and all this, and they don't understand what, what's going on in this thing. Same thing with the crow. We have all the backstory. We know where all these crazy lines of dialogue are coming, poses, scenes. You know, it, it's just like, oh, crap, there's that scene that was in the book. And they're just, oh, I, I know these lines. I, I can recite these lines, too. It's almost like it's a, it's a, a, a read-along or sing-along type movie because – uh, they kept so much of that intact. I, I just think uh, it, it's gonna it's 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 um, it, it's gonna be sad. But you know what? Um, uh, we 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 have Brandon's version uh, for you know we've had it already for you know quite a while here. And um, I honestly, after viewing it, you know, uh, I thought it it held up pretty well. I I mentioned some other I mentioned some parts that were in special effects that were. You know, but and then some plot holes that I thought um, were, you know, were kind of that's that's the part. And then what what gets more frustrating is that um, I remember liking it for what it was and not knowing what was on the cutting room floor, but knowing what's on the cutting room, cutting room floor. I feel more of a travesty has happened with Brandon Lee's legacy, which should have been his legacy. It shouldn't have been less Brandon Lee on the screen. It should have been more Brandon yeah. Lee. Um, but I think, you know, when you're facing a time crunch and you're trying to fill these holes, uh, I still think that there, there could have been a way to finish the film uh, a different okay, way. Okay, but we don't know if there's a gag order and Linda didn't want the stuff in there. I mean... Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, she did. She said... She goes, uh, less blood. I don't want to see Brandon with a bunch of blood all over. And they showed her all the scenes. And they even showed her, you know, what, what they had. And she goes, yeah, I don't want to see Brandon like this. And there's a lot of emotion attached to this. You know, your, your, your son got, you know, murdered. Yeah. You're watching these scenes and you're just like looking at it. Uh, I, know, I know we're almost uh, done with this episode, but did you, did you know that Prior to his death, Brandon Lee had filed a complaint with the studios that they were overworking him and the working conditions were subpar. And now the plot thickens, doesn't it? And you're going to end it on that. So, <laughs> hey, but you know what? And, and what is it, it? What did I say that last time when I commented about the last time somebody wanted to uh, make a comic more like or a movie more like the comic? They got he got killed. And on that note, uh, <laughs> but oh, you know what? That, that could be a whole other thing for uh, controversies and and uh, let's just say this: uh, not obviously because we don't want this to become the Crow Podcast. But 
we will we will save uh we'll let a couple of other shows pass until we can uh what we'll do is we'll revisit the crow and we'll call it controversies uh myths legends and curses and stuff and we'll focus on a little bit of that then you know what we've been what we've been talking about we could we can play around with you know some of the things that people are saying on the internet um and mind you, these aren't our opinions. We're just going to kind of just speculate on some yeah. of these things. But, but that was what's that was one of the facts that had come up that when I was doing some research when we were uh, uh, looking into uh, this episode, uh, Brandon Lee had filed a com uh, complaint. Uh, John Polito, uh, I think that's his name, the the one who played Gideon, actually was complaining that. Brandon was working so many hours and actually filed this complaint along with the studio as oh. well that he was, they, he felt that they were overworking Brandon and in some conditions he wasn't wearing shoes or shirts and cold weather and all kinds of well, stuff. There's and, that picture of him in that big thick jacket playing Game Boy. So Game that Boy. means it was, yeah. you know, and he was in that with the rain. Yep. Oh, they were, uh, they were, well, see, here we go again. Well, I mean, we, okay, could, we, could, we, could, we could talk about the crazy things, but he would, he would uh, get into an ice bath before these scenes to, cause he wanted to feel what it would be like to be cold dead? and dead coming out of the grave. Yeah. So, okay. Another thing, Brandon Lee. Ledger? <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Brandon, He's the one who put the thing in the, he wanted to see how it felt to get shot. Brandon Lee studied at Emerson College, and he left after a year to train under the is it the Strasbury uh, Strasberg uh, acting, where it's all the method acting. And so, yeah, we're, we're talking about that he went like above and beyond. And like I said, I've already issued my theory that I've given you before, and that is a very like why would somebody do that and i'm not going to mention it because that opens up a thousand can yep. of worms but so you we'll, know what we'll, we'll save that yes we'll save you it. you know exactly what i theorized and a person that acts in the method why not do that you know what yeah. i'm saying and uh, that gets okay. yeah okay we'll <laughs> we'll tie that up and put that it's already going on three hours yeah but no i mean this is this this is. I hope that we uh, we dove into the crow, and I hope that you know uh, we gave you a good dose of 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 crow talk. And definitely, you know what? There is still so much more that we want to talk about. But uh, my brother is right. We're at our we have hit our our three hour mark, and um, uh, there's still so much. But we we promise we're going to do another episode, and this is going to be about the the controversies, the myths, the legends, the the rumors and all that related to Brandon Lee and the crow and, you know, uh, uh, the creation of the crow and all the, all the little nooks and crannies that, that can be out. And who knows, maybe we'll have some special guests to, to talk about more of these myths and legends and, and controversies that surround uh, this already uh, uh, tragic tale uh, of the movie and 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 the uh, comic book that is so beloved by by many uh, comic fans or around the world but uh, I want to thank you guys for listening uh, we will see you guys next week for sure and Roland did we come up with a new uh, slogan for the show yet Ooh. no see that's already been used 
But I will say this. Oh. One thing that I don't know why I didn't bring up in the beginning, but the first time in I don't know how many years, um, I did a new comic, a new comic strip for Z&G, uh, Metal Jaw Comics, and I did that all yesterday. Like, I told my kids, you know what, I'm going to show you how I do a comic. And then I ended up making one, and I put it out, and I already have um, a script for the next strip. So check it out. I don't know why I didn't say it in the beginning, but um, we can we can tag it into the show. I mean, because I I did have a Facebook. Is that where you're putting them on the Facebook page? Yeah. Okay. Yes. There, there, it's on it's on our thing. When we put the YouTube link, we'll definitely there's a link to there. This is awesome to hear. You know what? You you're inspiring me now. And after all this crow stuff, I want to draw too. And but. I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know how people accept uh, the faceless people, but see now it's forgiving. I could just draw the, an eyeball up here and hey, what's up? And then draw a Balky and then we'll see, we'll see. There you go. <laughs> but, uh, but definitely uh, Metal Jaw, Metal Jaw Comics has its first uh, strip in how, how long has it been? How long? six years probably wow it's been six the last years time i probably did one was like my final At, it was uh, the fourth anniversary and i saw that i saw your comic and you know what first i was like man either you you had the 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 future of being able to to put masks in comics and then i was like no wait a minute this is new this is a new strip that this guy did and i thought that was that was really really cool that 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 you were able to do that. Congratulations. I think that's, that's an awesome, uh, that's awesome to be able to, to do. So definitely check out the new metal jaw comics and, mm -hmm. uh, keep, uh, what is it? Keep reaching for the comics and keep re ripping the off. Keep bending the spines. There you go. Your comics. Yeah. Keep, keep reaching, uh, and ripping and bending of the spines. And well, well, you know what? Put put some uh, slogan ideas, and if we pick your slogan, uh, uh, we'll have uh, I'll rip your comics for Roland, free. Roland will rip your comics for free. <laughs> I mean, what a better deal can that be? No, it's but please card. send us your slogan ideas for Rip Comics Podcast. We we need a slogan. We need something to say at the end instead of just dragging on and on and on. <laughs> we should actually get off the air here, but yeah. But I want to thank you guys again uh, for me, Will, and for my brother. I want to thank you guys for uh, stopping in and visiting with us on uh, this uh, episode of The Crow. And we'll be back uh, next week with uh, the usual uh, suspects uh, and maybe some other special guests. But we will definitely be talking about comics. So until next time, I'm Robert. I'm Roland. And he's out Roland. there somewhere saying something. But uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys.